All right, so can you believe that this is December and that Christmas is four weeks from today? Is that hard to imagine? These years are continuing to get more rapid in their progression. And so what we're going to do these next four Sundays starting today is Christmas, the rest of the story. It is so easy to get caught up in all the stuff and all the fluff of Christmas. And so what I'd like for us to do is to, at least here, in the moments that we have, recalibrate our focus so that we're really looking at what Christmas is. Because sadly, in our world... That is not the focus that we have today. It's about the fluff of Christmas. And and I realize as we talk about Christmas, we have all these different emotions of Christmas. But let's think about that just for a minute. All the emotions of Christmas because some people have had incredible families and incredible Christmas experiences. Others, not so much. And then there are those in the middle as well. The problem with that is, when that is what is the primary concern for our lives during this season, is that we are still making it about us and not about him. I don't think it's intentional what it is for the world, but for us as believers, we just kind of drift that way because that's the focus of the world we live in. So that being the case, and last week we talked about pride and how subtle pride comes in, I thought it would be good for us to look at the humility of Christ in relation to Christmas, because sometimes we forget why it was that he came. In fact, some people only think of Jesus as that little babe in the manger, which is Not bad, but it's not all that Christmas is about. It is not all of the reason for why why Christ came, but he came for you and for me. And how we do this, I think as believers, is huge in our world today. How we handle it, how we represent it, how we walk it out can make a difference. Again, not in the whole world at large necessarily, but in our world, if we do this well and allow the Holy Spirit to guide us in the process. So this is the verse in Philippians 2.8. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. God incarnate, That babe in the manger, Jesus Christ, humbled himself to come to this world that he created and subject himself to his creation. If you can get your mind around that, please let me know how you did it because I'm not there yet. And I've been working on this a long time. 
how God did what he did in the coming as a baby. But he humbled himself. How huge that is that he humbled himself. He, he bowed down, as it were. He, he put himself under the subjection of human beings in incredible ways that only God could do supernaturally. But because sometimes we don't see the context, I want you to take your Bible or your device, whatever you have, and look at Philippians chapter 2. And by the way, if you don't have a good Bible app on your phone, this is one Bible is. There are cards on tables at the back and to the side. It's really a good, good app if you don't have a good one. I would encourage you to get one. And I realize when everybody's in here, that's why I want to encourage you to bring your Bibles. When everybody in here tries to get on the internet, it won't work. You overload it, okay? So bring your Bibles, okay? It's still church, you know, we can carry our Bibles to church. Beginning in verse 1, Philippians chapter 2. And remember now, the Apostle Paul is in prison when he writes this. Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ... If there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affliction and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind. What's the same mind? The mind of Christ, which the Scripture says we have. Maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. What is the purpose? Focusing on the Christ and building the kingdom. Do nothing, listen to this, verse 3, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. It's always back to like it, don't like it, examine your motives, even when we do something in church. Why do we do what we do? What is the heart behind it is always the question. But with humility, humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. Now, for some of you who might be a busy body, you may think that I've just given you the world's best verse in the Bible. Oh, it's biblical for me to get up in everybody's business. It's not exactly what this is talking about. This is talking about the fact that we have such a concern for Christ first. Remember, love him first. Love others as we love ourselves. We have such a concern for Christ and for others that our concern is where they are spiritually in their life. Now, for that to be the case, we've got to be able to examine our own selves and determine where we are in our walk in relationship with Christ as well. Having this attitude... In yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of man. And because he was, he humbled himself. So as we talk about Christmas... As we emphasize the message of Christmas here at this church, in this church family, we're going to always keep going back to this is why he did what he did. And that's the scripture we're going to be looking at today. But this thing about humbling yourself, what does that mean? 
It means being willing to stoop to any measure that's required. Whatever it takes to humble myself before him so that I can serve others. Remember, Jesus said, I came to serve and not to be served. I've used this before. This is a picture of one of our trips in India. We were in a leper colony in Delhi. We decided to bless the residents of that particular leper colony. We bought them just a whole bunch of fresh fruit. And our team went throughout the leper colony distributing the fruit. We had a Hindu driver who was uh, difficult, saying the least, because he had no desire to be in a leper colony. And here we Americans are asking him to take us to the place he doesn't want to go. With some help and encouragement from his boss, he decided it would be a good idea to take us. And so we bought all this fruit. And the team is going around and distributing the fruit because fresh fruit is something that they did not get a lot of. And then something interesting happened. This Hindu driver who had no desire whatsoever to be in this leper colony goes and brings this little child and sets him down in front of me and says, she didn't get anything. Now we're the bad guys. You know, we, we showed up. We didn't feed one kid. Now we're the bad people. Well, there were two students from the Bible College, Sam Thomas, who comes, and their Emmanuel Bible College. Two of their female students were working there in that leper colony and teaching school there. And so one of them took a banana and peeled it and handed it to the child. You can see the banana in her hand. She was so fragile and so frail, she literally was just standing there holding a banana, couldn't even really get it up. And so, most of you know, this is my daughter, Kyra, or I should say our daughter, Kyra. And so she got down on her knees in that leper colony and began to feed this little child banana. I know I've used this before, but it makes the point. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. That's what we will do. On the way back to the hotel, after having experienced this in the leper colony, the Indian pastor, Philip, who was with us, was able to share the gospel with his Hindu driver. I have no idea if he ever came to know Christ or not, but he was willing to be receptive because an American young woman got on her knees in a leper colony and fed the child of a leopard family. Now, you're saying, well... Not going to any anytime soon, so scratch that. And that's a good point. So, what if? What if God was giving us opportunities here to stoop, as it were, to serve others? As happened yesterday with the Christmas shop, where 45 families were blessed with 1,255 gifts. And a huge number of you served in different capacities, either contributing funds, wrapping gifts, ministering to families. But this morning, Becky phrased the term, the gifts are the fluff 
what we do with the people is the stuff. Because every family who came was ministered to in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, those families came to us through different entities and different ways that we were made aware of their need for Christmas. But every one of them got to hear yesterday what the real reason is for Christmas. That's the stuff. Praise God. So we're not going to leave that alone because it isn't that we can go out and buy presents for everybody all the time. That's not the point. But the point is that every one of us, if we're really tuned in and allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, we can find that there are opportunities for us to humble ourselves in very incredible and wonderful ways and just be aware. What kind of day was it yesterday? Weather-wise, sorry. Yeah, raining, a little chilly. So our granddaughter is performing outside in Rock Hill. Guess where we were? Outside, in the rain, in Rock Hill. That's what grandparents do, you know. When you're a parent, you can complain about it. When you're a grandparent, you say, tell me where it is. I don't care. You know, we'll be there. (laughs) And we were. And so all that is finished, still raining, still chilly, not cold, cold, but chilly. We're walking down the street, and Sheila has an interest in art. And there's this lady sitting there with all this artwork. And we go over and start looking at it. Where's Robert and Lisa? You guys will love this after our conversation in the cafe yesterday. How many of you ever had this conversation? How you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm above ground. <laughs> Guess what this lady said? We just had the conversation here that morning. How you doing today? She'll ask her. How you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm above ground. Now she's older than I am, so she's really doing good to be above ground. And I I told her, I said, you know, it's odd. We had that conversation just earlier today at our church with some of the folks. She goes, oh, I said, yeah, because my question is, if we are truly in Christ, and she went, she brightened up. She goes, yeah, if we're in Christ, if we're not above ground here, where are we? We're way above ground. Look at the opportunities that God gives us. And that's just one. There's tons of opportunities. Little things that people are so accustomed to saying. They don't even think about them anymore. They just say them because that's kind of the cultural stuff. You know, nobody wants to, you know, get into all the bad stuff that's going on in their life. So there's, yeah, I'm above ground. You know, I'm still breathing. Well, my question to any person and should be for all of us is, if you weren't, where would you be? Because there's only two destinations. It's going to be one or the other. So as we think of Christmas, we think of Jesus fixing our eyes on who? Let me rephrase that. Fixing our eyes on who? Jesus. Jesus. I didn't bring my flashlight back, but the spotlight, you know, normally we're fixing eyes on who? On us. Sadly. I'm not picking on us. I'm just saying that for the most part, whether we're bragging on ourselves for what we've done or whining about what we don't have, we're still focusing on ourselves. 
fixing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. I had a conversation with someone this week, and that person has really suffered. They really have. And it just so happened that in their presence, when they asked this question of me, was an unbeliever. And here was their question. Why do you think God's letting me suffer like I am? Ever been asked that question? So my answer was this. If God allowed his son to suffer for us, is it possible that he would let us suffer so others could see him in us? And guess who said amen? The person who didn't know Jesus. <laughs> Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy, look at this, this is what we're getting to now, the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. How many of you know what the crucifixion was? The Roman form of death, it was the greatest degradation of humanity and humiliation that they could possibly think of. This was the very thing they wanted everybody who died through crucifixion to be humiliated completely. That's why they beat them. That's why they stripped them. That's why they abused them as they did. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He despised the shame. So how could it be that he could have joy about the cross? You know how he could have joy? Think about this for a second now. He could have joy because of you and because of me. Now think about that. He could see. He could see that what he was doing in fulfilling the will of God, his Father God, what he was doing was providing for us life, life abundant, and life eternal. And as a result, even though it was horrendous and horrible and horrid and he said the night before father for any way any way this cup can pass from me but not my will but your will be done and then after going through the crucifixion and the resurrection he sat down the right hand of the throne of God can you see him there Can you see our Savior? Can you see him there? And this Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished to fulfill the scripture said, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. Jar of wine and vinegar. Something to kind of take the edge off. It was placed to his mouth. And then he said, listen now, listen. Can you hear it echoing through the generations? It is finished. Can you hear that? And what he was saying was, it is finished in fulfillment of the will of the Father so that you and I can have life and life eternal. Because without it, There's no other way. You say, well, I can do good works. Of course you can do good works. Good works should come after we know Jesus. 
Because that's not what gets us to him. The only way we get there is through the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And then he bowed his head and gave up the spirit. I'm jumping back in the scripture, back to John chapter 1. John the Baptist is baptizing, preaching. (laughs) And by the way, if you want to hear some hard preaching, read some of John the Baptist. You bunch of vipers. You know, can you imagine, you know, the pastor who stayed at the church very long when he called everybody vipers? Because he was talking about the religious people. He's about the ones who put on the pretense, who pretended to know the stuff that they should have known, but were not practicing. You know, rules for thee, not for me. And he says, behold, the Lamb of God. And notice what he says, who takes away the sin of the world. Now, we tend to think of my sins, my, the things that I do that I know are contrary to the will of God. But it says here he takes away the sin singular. In other words, it is that sinful nature within me. It is that indictment from God that because I have been born in the race of Adam and the original sin of the garden now has to be dealt with by the only one and the only way that it can. And that is Jesus Christ. And he takes that sin away. You remember the day? You remember the day that he took your sin? Remember that day? I remember the day he took my sin. Now, have I had to work on some things since then? You better believe it still are. But I remember the day he took my sin. I remember the day... That when I knelt before him and the Holy Spirit of God did something in my heart and life that I had heard about, but I didn't know anything about personally. In fact, I listened to a testimony of a young man this week who said very similar to mine. I knew those things growing up, but I never experienced that until I was a young man. I knew the things that I'd been told about the scripture. I, I'd heard about the cross. I'd heard about the crucifixion. I'd heard about the burial. I'd heard about the resurrection. I'd heard the Genesis story. But I didn't know him personally until that day, March the 28th, 1971, when he took my sin. That ledger book in heaven that had my name there and right beside it it said guilty my name guilty in the ledger book and the blood of Christ stamped it paid in full paid in full I could not do that no one else can Only him. And so for this reason, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So that every knee will bow. In heaven, on earth, under the earth. Every tongue will confess 
that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. You may be the smartest person in the room. You may be the wealthiest person in the room. You may be the best looking person in the room. And guess what? <laughs> Your knee will bow. As will mine. And your tongue will confess, as will mine. But Jesus, and this is what the young man said as he finished his testimony. I'd heard about him as Savior, but I had no understanding of him as Lord until that day that he took away my sin. Meaning that I bow my knee now. I confess with my mouth now that he is Lord. He is king. Yes, he is my savior. And I rejoice that he is. But he is my king of kings and Lord of lords. And yours too, if you're in Christ. And all of this is for the glory of the Father. So here we are in the Christmas season. And we can talk about anything and everything. You can talk about what you want to get, what you didn't get after Christmas comes and goes. But let me ask you this question. What can you do in this holiday season to share the message of salvation with others? Tommy's back there. He picks on me because I'm not on social media. I just... Everything I get for social media is secondhand, just so you know that. You say, yeah, you're one of those old guys. That, no, I'm just, I guess I've heard enough bad stuff. I don't need it. But Tommy always corrects me, Tommy McWaters. There's good stuff there, too. And he uses it for good stuff. And many of others, many of you others do, too. And I, I have devotions that I get regularly, and I'm, I'm so blessed by those. But the question I would hope for all of us as we move into this Christmas season, what, maybe I should have put I, what can I do this holiday season to share the message of salvation with others? So would you say that with me? What can I do this holiday season to share salvation with others? Let it, let it just marinate for a second. What can you do? Here's what I know you can do. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you a sensitivity to the people that you encounter. And some of them will be the fact that he gives you a sensitivity to go to some people that you have not encountered, but he puts on your heart. And then be obedient. Remember those messages we did on the sowing of the seed? Sow the seed. Will the harvest come this Christmas? I don't know. It might. But you sow the seed. You sow the seed. Remember we did this. You sow the seed. You continue to sow the seed and sow the seed and sow the seed. Because if you don't sow the seed, the one thing you can be assured of, there's no harvest. Without the sowing of the seed. It is really that simple. You say, oh, but I don't know how to do that. 
We have wonderful leaders in this church. Elders, deacons, staff. Those who are not in those positions, but just have served here for such a long time. Any of us, any of us will be more than happy to sit down with you and help share with you how to share the reality of Christ with someone else. I would hope you're already there. But if you're not, we understand and we want to help. So just let us know how we can help. If you look back on the youth table, back in the right-hand corner from my right, there are some wonderful little gospel tracks that Nate keeps back there for the kids. Get some. Use them. Just do one thing for me, please. And I'm, I know I'm getting off color here. Please don't put them on the urinal in the men's bathroom. <laughs> Stand at the door and hand them out if you want to. But I... I go in the bathroom, and, and I'm a believer. Been one for a long time, and there's that gospel track laying on the Ural. Somebody thinking, I'm going to pick that sucker up. <laughs> I get as creative, but maybe I'm just a little too sanitary. I don't know. I'm telling you right now, the Holy Spirit wants us. He wants us so desperately to take this Christmas season when people are a little more attuned. There are two times of the year, Christmas and Easter, where people tend, even in our world that's gone more and more pagan every day, there's still a little tenderness in these seasons that we can capture. And we can do it anytime, so don't just hold off for these seasons, but we can capture those opportunities. Do you understand that every person you encounter, whether it's a family member a coworker, a classmate, whomever, you understand that every person that you encounter has an eternity in heaven or hell. And we might be the only ones that tell them about the alternative to hell. Let's be diligent. Would you stand, please? God, we love you. Our love is demonstrated in our obedience. So thank you that in this body of believers, we're obedient. That we not only understand that you're our Savior, Jesus, but you're our Lord. We're so grateful, Father, that you chose to send the Holy Spirit to live within us at the return of Jesus after the resurrection. And now how that gets played out every day of us living the kind of life that when we speak to someone about you, Jesus, they don't go, oh, what are you doing? Where do you get off? Help us, God, to be those who walk it, be those who live it, and be those who share it. In Jesus' name.